Welcome to the Pubcast, your inside look at electronic publishing. From ebooks to websites to podcasts and more, join us as we interview the professionals on the cutting edge of publishing. Hello and welcome to the Pubcast. This evening we are at Emerson College in class PB403. It is March 13th, the day before Pi Day. And we're very excited to have with us a guest speaker tonight, Mr. Lon Seidman. Hi, Lon. Hi, everybody. How are you? Good. How are you, sir? I am great. A long time no see. I know. It's been a while. <laughs> so, Lon, you are the co-founder of the Independent Media Network, co-founder of LocalOnlineNews.tv, host of ConnecticutTechJunkie.com, and you also have a storied political career, I understand. Is that correct? Yep. I'm recovering. <laughs> <laughs> And you're here tonight to talk to us about what you do with Independent Media Network, which is help reporters and journalists build their online brands and personalities. Is that correct? That's right. That is what we're trying to do. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we have 10 students in the room tonight who are here with uh, majors in the publishing department at Emerson College in Boston, and they're eager to hear from you. So take it away. Great. Well, good evening, everybody. How are you? Good. Good. This is nice. You know, we live in the future now because back when I was in college, like we actually had to go to Boston to be in the class. So now I can just uh, beam in from my home office here. So I'm just going to run through a couple of quick slides, which kind of demonstrate what we're about, and then uh, we'll take some questions and just have kind of a conversation before I have to uh, run out to a meeting. So we we were founded about three years ago, and we were kind of founded on this premise that basically economics around publishing has kind of changed a lot. So in the past, you had like the building, the trucks, the printing presses, you know, you had all these things that uh, you needed in order to be able to publish a newspaper, um, or maybe if you needed to do some broadcasting, you'd have to have a broadcast tower or something like that. Uh, and it was expensive, you know, not everybody could go out and do this kind of stuff. And, and you know, it required, all, you know, these media oligarchs, you know, and, and, uh, billions of dollars or at least millions of dollars, even the local newspaper, you know, had several hundred thousand dollars of investment uh, in order just to get the equipment running, to get all of the papers printed, to get out to the community, not counting even distribution and everything else. And then along comes the Internet. And in the course of, you know, less than a decade, uh, the entire economics behind publishing blew up. You know, so no longer did you need all this infrastructure to get, uh, you know, to get your publication or your broadcast out. All of a sudden, everything blows up, and everybody, their mother, on, who's got a computer on the internet, can get uh, content out to everyone in the world for free. And as you can imagine, that's not good for, um, you know, for for people trying to make a living in media, because you know, so much of this economy wrapped around a scarcity of distribution. It was very difficult to distribute things, and now it became very easy to do so. Um, so what's happened is, is the internet has basically replaced all of this stuff. Uh, in fact, you know, the fact that we're doing this tonight, this is a broadcast that we're doing. And uh, one of the things that we set out to do was try to figure out how do we bring the value back to local publishers? Because the, the biggest problem right now in media, especially local journalism in particular, is that for big brands like Coca-Cola or car companies or whatever, um, they go into a massive commodities market to buy their advertising right now. So how many of you have been like to a website? Maybe you put something in your shopping cart and then like these ads follow you around. If you all had that happen to you, right? Like Amazon says, hey, you, you forgot to order this thing. So what, what's, what's happening is um, all of the websites that you're visiting are in this commodities market. And what's happening is, is an advertiser can go in and say, I want Let's use my, me as an example. I want the 37-year-old guy with a 10-month-old child at home 
uh, who's about ready to end his auto lease, and we want to hit him with Acura ads. That's how precise it's become. And there is no limit to the inventory, because in the past, if you put an ad in a newspaper, the inventory was, fin was finite. You know, you had a spot on a printed page, and there was only that spot for that day's edition, and then it was sold out. Now, inventory is every time somebody goes on a website. So who benefits from that model? It's CNN, it's BuzzFeed, it's uh, you know um, uh, Ken Gagne's GameBits uh, YouTube channel. Um, it's places where there's a lot of traffic coming in because there is so much inventory that you need to make up the, the dollars on volume. And when you're a local publisher, you don't have that that, that luxury because you know if you're covering the you know I'm going to the chair of the board of education meeting tonight in my town. There's not a huge amount of interest in that beyond maybe the several hundred parents that are impacted by it in the school and maybe a few other folks from the community. You know, there's really not um, going to be a million uh, views of an article about the Board of Education in Essex, Connecticut. So how does a local publisher make money? And that's where we've been trying to kind of narrow things down. So within our network, we have uh, about 80 local websites now. Most of them are in Connecticut. Most of these sites started at a fraction of what uh, big media competitors would have cost to make because they're on their own. You know, they, they are essentially a website, and a lot of them are husband and wife, wife teams because that seems to be the, the best route for a lot of them. You know, one, one spouse writes, the other one sells ads. We're seeing some pretty decent traffic numbers with some of these local sites. And most importantly, and this is, I think, kind of what Ken wanted me to talk about tonight, is that our sites are brands and their people. So what do I mean by that? So let's take a look at uh, ctnewsjunkie.com. They partnered with us to uh, create this network. Uh, Christine Stewart, who's got the headphones on there, this one she was, she was uh, just a lot of radio interviews and stuff too. Um, she started this site um, about eight years ago, and it's her and her husband, and they now have a, a writer working for them as well. But the two of them, the brand and the person, are interchangeable. She doesn't write every article on the site anymore, um, but everyone thinks she does because she's become such a fixture at the Capitol and at state capital. She covers uh, political news at the state capital. And, you know, because she's built this brand up on her own, you know, her credibility and who she is as a person uh, is very much reflected in the website that uh, she's put together. And brands are fine, not brands, but, um, uh, you know, people trying to influence the legislature have found uh, her website to be incredibly valuable in their advertising campaigns to the point where uh, they're paying 1,200% uh, more for a placement on her site than Coca-Cola pays for a placement in one of these ad exchanges. Uh, Lineline.com is another one. Uh, Olin Logan on the left here. She launched this site also about eight years, maybe about ten years ago now. Uh, and she uh, covers the happenings in Lyme and Old Lyme, Connecticut. Not a very big area, but she is now the publication of record in that town. And I'll show you what these two sites look like in a minute. Another great example is George Gambasi. He used to work for the Hartford Current as a consumer watchdog reporter until um, he pissed off an advertiser and he got fired. <laughs> and he started his uh, his own site called CTWatchdog.com. And again. His site is every bit as much CT Watchdog as it is George Mbassi. And I think in each of these cases, what we're seeing is that uh, you can build a valuable publication uh, by really making that brand your own. And it's so much easier to do that now because there is no overhead, that you can be you know, the steerer and the rower of, of your publication and build up a brand centered around who you are as a person. Your professor is a great example of that. Ken is known to many people or, you know, as Game Bits. You know, he does a lot of YouTube videos on, on video games and whatnot. 
He's also known in other circles for other things, as Ken Gagne, the Apple II uh, aficionado and tech guy. And he's been a journalist, and he's been known uh, for some of the work that he's done there. The point is, is that you know we're, we're in an era where there's a lot of potential uh, to really build out a brand around your own work that is owned by you completely. Are you going to be a mega billionaire like Rupert Murdoch or Ted Turner? No, but you probably uh, will end up in a position where, let's say you were in a local, you know, running a local journalism publication, uh, chances are you'll probably be able to make double what you would make as a reporter at a newspaper, you know, you cut at a, you know, covering the same town because of the fact that you're no longer having to deal with all the overhead. So what, what we're doing now as a company is trying to get rid of all of the roadblocks that people like those folks that I mentioned are facing when they go to start these websites up. We found a couple of big barriers to entry into this market. The first is that uh, people often, um, who, are, who are journalists in particular, are trained not to do business. How many of you have taken a journalism class? Anybody? Okay, so what's the first thing they, they teach you, right? Like, don't take the ad money, right? There's like a wall up, you're going to be the impartial journalist and and the business side is the business side, they're going to sell the ads and you can do whatever you want. Reality in 2014 is that that's no longer viable nor realistic because you can't afford to hire anybody to sell ads for you. Um, what's happening though is that a lot of journalists aren't comfortable selling ads. They don't like asking people for money. They don't like asking money from people uh, that they may be covering as a reporter. Um, so we've been out now um, building a sales force that goes out into these communities where we, we try to cluster some of the sites together. Uh, we hired uh, some professional salespeople to go out and sell ads for these sites, and they love it because now they don't have to worry about focusing on any of the business aspects of their of their publication, but the actual public the publication portion. We also um, do a lot of the technical stuff for them. So for a lot of folks, especially some of the old timers who are finding themselves looking for new opportunities now after a career in you know in the newspaper world. Um, they need help. They don't know how to run a website. They don't know how to uh, keep viruses out of their WordPress blog or, or whatever else they need help with. So um, we basically host them completely for free uh, to be able to get them up and running because um, we, we don't want people to have excuses not to kind of get into the field. So it's been um, it's been an interesting adventure. We're finding, you know, we're slowly figuring things out as we go. This is a brand new market. Everything is changing so rapidly. Um, but we're beginning to figure out where our value is, and um, the value comes back to the to that slide of brands and people. And you know, for CT News Junkie as an example, you know that publication is immensely valuable to a lobbyist with or or a special interest group or a nonprofit or someone who has a big issue to, that the legislature is taking up. Very valuable to them. For Coca Cola, they could care less about it because it's you know it's too too much of a focused audience. But for the people that are involved in that. Uh, in that world, it's immensely valuable, and they're willing to pay for it. So, so that's kind of where we're we're at as a company right now. I think it's um, you know, you're in a very exciting time because you know it, it's not easy to do this on your own. It's not easy to build a personal brand, but people are doing it, and they're doing it more frequently than um, than they would have been able to do even 15 years ago. And I and I think that's a really exciting uh, thing to be to be able to do all that. Um, I have my own little YouTube channel. I started as a hobby, and now it's you know it's paying a portion of my bills. I, I review gadgets, you know, this kind of chunk of wires hanging out of it. Um, and uh, uh, it's it started just kind of as a thing I was doing for the heck of it. And before you know it, I started building traffic and subscribers, and and now it's you know it's become a part of my income. Uh, and that is done in my basement downstairs. It's like Wayne's World in real life, except that I'm not as cool. It's really 
you know, building out into something really neat. And I think you're in a really interesting position. I mean, it's there's still tremendous value to publishers, you know, real ones like the book people that make the books, or or you know, the people that print the magazines and and that sort of thing, because you know, they are getting the best talent out there, and they are marketing that talent in a way that is very difficult for people to do on their own. But I'm seeing kind of a shift now into an area where a lot of people are deciding to forego all that uh, because they want to have complete control over their content, and, and that's also a very valuable thing. So, you know, it's tough. I mean, I think if, um, you know, if you wanted to do this yourself, like right now, it's going to take some time to build an audience. But once you find that audience and start to, you know, tend that garden and, and listen to what their needs are and what they want from you, uh, things can really uh, kind of take off. So. Um, so that's us in a nutshell. I kind of raced through it, but I, I definitely wanted to, you know, get more of your questions to see where, you know, what kinds of things you're all thinking about. So you said that's no longer viable to have a separate editor and publisher, and that very often you have one person playing that role. But there was a reason that wall was erected in the first place. Isn't it a conflict of interest to have the person producing the content accepting the paycheck? Yeah, it is, <laughs> and that's and that is part of the problem. Um, we. You know, it's interesting. We, we've been working now. We, we're piloting this thing where we're doing the salespeople on the ground. And one of our really promising growing websites almost shut down about about six months ago because they weren't bringing in any money because they just could not bring themselves to do business. They had people calling them, asking about ad rates, and they weren't calling them back, you know, because of that issue, really. I mean, it was that and the fact that they, um, they, they didn't have time because they were just too busy writing content. Um, so, so that's where we see some value as a company to be able to kind of slide in and, and take over that role for them, where when they do get an ad lead, they toss it over to us, we go ahead and make the sale, and we split the revenue with them. And that, that I think, is, is you know, where we're finding some value. Um, you know, where we're seeing some exploitation in the industry, not that we're doing, but what other, others are doing, is that they're charging a lot for these kinds of services, and we believe in only paying on performance. Because I think that's uh, you know the sustainability be, you know begins with uh, you know, being upfront and honest with some of these people and uh, and and we feel like it's uh, better for us to take the risk upfront than ask them to cough up money they don't have. But but Ken, you're right. I mean it's it's a serious issue in journalism right now. And unfortunately, uh, for a lot of local sites, you know, with, unless we're we or someone else are doing those sales for them, they're going to have to do it. You and I, being YouTube content creators, we've talked about joining a multi-channel network where they help with the distribution and advertising of our content in, in exchange for taking a cut of the revenue. Is that essentially what you're doing with your Connecticut network? A little a little bit like it, but differently. Because the big the big problem that I see with some of these multi-channel networks is that um, you know the, the, the big ones take really good content creators, like, like the stuff you're doing. Um, but not all of them do, or they take anyone who's got some kind of talent and they kind of lump them into this big blob, right? So there's not a lot of individualized attention that they're they're directing there. And what they do, in case you're not familiar, multi-channel network comes in and, and kind of aggregates a whole bunch of, of uh, content creators together. So they're still independent, they still own their own content, but they take over the advertising and then sell this group of content creators as a block to advertisers. So we sort of do that on the local level with, with what we're doing here and that we're selling ads against all of their content. The difference though is that what multi-channel networks also do is take a cut of the ads that you were getting on your own. So in the case of YouTube, what that means is that uh, you get these, Google pays you ad 
feed. They give you advertising dollars based on what ads they put on your on your content. A lot of these multi-channel networks are taking 10, 20, 30 percent of what people were earning on their own anyhow. So they often end up getting really nothing from these multi-channel networks, especially if they're a small content creator. And not only are they getting nothing from them, they're also taking more from them than they were earning on their own, which has become you know kind of an exploitive practice in my opinion. And you know, you and I have both been hit up by these folks time and again, and we've, we've looked at every one of these deals, and they're all bad. So when we started creating our model, it was, if you sell an ad on your own, um, we're not entitled to any portion of it one iota. That's your money. Um, if we sell an ad for you, uh, then we have a, a you know, scale that we work out to you know, to fairly distribute the funds, because we have expenses to pay, you know, people on the ground, gas, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, there's things that we do work out there. We're very transparent about it. We tell them what they're getting, we tell them what we're keeping, and we're showing them even the commission that the salesperson is making on it today. It's very transparent. But anything they sell on their own is theirs. You said that this is an era where you have the opportunity to build your own brand and produce your own content without selling it to somebody else, but all your videos that you make, those are going up on YouTube. That's somebody else's sandbox. So yeah. aren't, you aren't you still really dependent on these third-party services? On, on YouTube, I am sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's you know, we're both at the whim of of Google's search algorithm. If it suddenly decides that my content isn't valuable anymore, um, I'm, I'm, you know, it's a good thing I'm not pay, paying all the grocery bills with it, you know. And that's a problem that you're dealing with. The the sites that I mentioned before, um, and I'll, I'll show you what CT News Junkie looks like at the moment here. Um, it's a little busy because we're right in the busy season for their sites. So they they have a lot of advertising that's been sold. They own all of this, so Google has no portion of what they're doing here. All of these ads are ads that we've sold to them. So all of these ads that you see on here are ads that uh, were sold by by us or by CT News Junkie directly. This is a good example of you know of doing it on your own with your own stuff. The traffic they get, uh, a lot of it um, comes from Google searching and whatnot, uh, but a lot of it's organic. It's people that you know are really you know, capital. And you could say capital insiders who want to keep up with what's going on and put feeds out there all day just uh, keeping track of it. Uh, one other thing here to note is they also um, take these other means of revenue beyond just taking advertising. One of uh, the things that CT News Junkie does, and many of our sites do, we actually encourage this, is to set up kind of a donation page, you know, kind of a tip jar. And what's happening is people donate money. You know, they like the service and they want it to continue, so they, they pop up some dollars. So, uh, you know, there's a bunch of folks that uh, this, this week uh, gave some money, and Christine or, or her husband uh, personally deliver a mug to them for uh, their participation. It's kind of like the PBS model. Uh, one of the things that I do on my YouTube channel, in addition to the YouTube revenue, uh, is when I review a product, I link to, to an affiliate uh, link on Amazon. What affiliate marketing is, is um, essentially if you, if you click on this link of mine to Amazon, um, and someone buys something on Amazon, I will get a commission back from Amazon anywhere from four to seven percent. So you know, so you kind of piece all these revenue things together and kind of build something out. Have any of you ever heard of the Lizzie Bennett Diaries? Anybody hear of that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Great example of of an independent uh, content creation with many many um, revenue paths to it. So um, Bernie Sue, I actually know the guy um, uh, uh, Bernie Sue who created the show. And what they did was uh, start with YouTube, so they get the YouTube revenue. Um, they created a tumble, a lot, you know, Tumblr of one of the characters who's talking about the fashions that she's wearing in the show, and it's in her character, right? So the things that she's talking about, she links to 
uh, a clothing uh, provider that provided the clothes to the show. And when people click through to buy the clothes, they're getting a portion of, uh, of the sale. So that's another revenue thing for them. It's very successful for the brand also uh, because they they generated a lot of sales and it was all on paid on all on performance. So they didn't have to you know pay any advertising fees or anything unless something was sold. So it was good for the brand too. Uh, they also launched a Kickstarter where they took um, all of their episodes and put them on like a million DVDs and had a whole bunch of things that they added to it. And they made a bunch of money on that too. So you know all of those pieces kind of come together and you're able to to make it work in the end. And, and uh, Lizzie Bennet Diaries is something that you should all take a look at because it is really amazing uh, success story for something uh, that's ever been done. In fact, it's the the most Pride and Prejudice has, uh, video production ever in the world <laughs> of you know, that retelling of the story. Um, that is what you know, is what they've done. I think there's like something like tens of hours of content on those DVDs. So pretty cool stuff. And you can really you know when you really start thinking creatively about you know where the revenue paths can be. Uh, suddenly things start to look more interesting, and, and I think that's, you know, where it comes in. We try to approach this very optimistically, because, Ken, I'm sure you know a lot of people in journalism who are pretty bummed out right now. You know, our thing is, look, there is a path here, and you just need to find your audience. You need to find what your advertisers and your clients find valuable, and you need to piece all these revenue components together until you're making a living, and, and these junkies are a great example of that. Because it does seem to me that it requires multiple piecemeal attempts to put together a reasonable salary. As you said, you're glad you're not paying all your grocery bills with this money, but it is paying some of the bills. Uh, my YouTube channel you know, makes several thousand dollars a year, but that's not enough to live off. Right. So, so can one reasonably expect to become a full-time online personality, or is that just going to be a part of their overall uh, revenue stream? I think initially it'll be part of your overall revenue. You know, you're, you're, and and it, that could be said of anything, really. I mean, it's it takes a while to build an audience, and and I, I think the time YouTube accelerates a little bit faster than than web platforms. Web web platforms, especially written publications online, are really hard to build audiences on. So it takes a long time to get that put together. You're going to be grinding it out for you know a couple of years before you start seeing any real you know uptick in in, in traffic and, and viewership and readership. Um, but yeah, it takes. It, 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 it's not something that everyone is going to be making a living off of right off the bat. And I think you need to be realistic about it. I think you need to have a job, <laughs> um, or or have some means of not having to, you know, have a lot of uh, personal overhead in the time that you're building your platform and building your your name and your audience. Because uh, the the people becoming super mega wealthy or super mega comfortable, you know, within six months of launching whatever they do is is equivalent to winning a lottery. Really. Yeah. Um, and and the realistic thing is just like anything, if you want to build your business, you've got to work your butt off for a long time, grinding it out. And you might get to the end of two or three years and see no progress at all. Um, but the, the nice thing is is that we have so many great analytics tools available to us to to begin to see where things are happening. And in my own case, with the with the gadget reviews, my YouTube channel is just kind of a place where I park video. If I took some video of something that I, that I thought was cool. I just threw it up on my YouTube channel and kind of let it let it sit there. And I had like stuff that I did for um, Tech Junkie. We went and covered the last three space shuttle launches. So I had a whole bunch of NASA stuff, like really cool NASA stuff up on there. I had, um, you know, the, my dog running around, all sorts of stuff. And what was interesting was one day I went and looked at my channel analytics, and I shot um, a video of a hard drive that I got from a part of this Amazon review program. But long story, I got this hard drive to review 
and got my phone out and did a video review of it, put it on my YouTube channel, and lo and behold, four months later, there was like 25,000 views on it. Whoa, that's interesting. And then I had another little thing I did something similar with, and that got a lot of views. I'm like, wow, this is, this is like the fit for me. You know what I mean? I'm not like a talented, funny comedian type of person that's going to do wacky stuff and get views for that, but people somehow found my approach to reviewing gadgets interesting and useful, and that started building views, and then I started doing the rinse and repeat <laughs> over and over and over again, and then what do you know, now it's turned in, turning into what it is now, and I think that same could be said of what you're doing. You might find success in something that you don't even think is interesting to you, but other people might find it really valuable. So it's it's a it's a very it's very important to look at your analytics and test and see you know where things are coming in from, and when you see things start to bump, you know do a few more of those and see what happens. I, I had um I started doing some like app reviews. So I had I had done one app review and I saw some traffic from it, so I did like two or three more and saw nothing on those two. And I said, you know what, I'm not going to do app reviews yet because it just doesn't seem to be what people are looking for from me. But the gadgets are, so that's what I'm going to do. Brianna? So the websites that you showed us, they seem to have the, the people behind them were previously in you know, the print publishing industry, whether they were journalists or whatnot. And even with, you mentioned Lizzie Bennett Diaries, like it started small, but it had the backing of the Green Brothers, who are a pretty big presence on YouTube. So it mm -hmm. had that knowledge and support in that community already. But are you working with any, um, you know, younger creators who don't have industry experience already, and like what you do with them to kind of start out their recognition within like, the audience that they want? Yeah, we're working with a few, and, and it's it's hard it's harder for them, no doubt. Um, you know, it, what I found is is that you got to start. Sometimes you got to start with some kind of network of some kind, whether it's not like computer network, but network of people. Um, so we had. Um, uh, this one young lady down in Danbury, Connecticut, had a uh, she had an art gallery, and she developed a little web magazine around the art gallery, which became popular amongst the art crowd in in the community. And she built it that way to the point where the, the publication was making more money than the gallery was. So she shut the gallery down. <laughs> you, know? Um, you know, so those are examples there. I I think what it really comes down to is you've got if you're if you're covering something, if you're in a journalistic kind of way. Um, you need to start showing up at stuff where people who um, are into that topic are gathering. You know, especially for local, it's easy to do that on local because you, you can just go there. Uh, covering nonprofits that are in, impacting the community or something like that. Things where you start being seen around town. Once you get seen at a couple of events, especially in, in like small to mid-sized cities where Patch.com is kind of focusing on, um, you can really quickly begin to build a, a real network of, of real relationships that. Will help build your, your your content up more. We we did this uh, local online news thing that uh, Ken introduced when we started. Uh, it was a video site covering uh, West Hartford, Connecticut, which is a mid-sized city, and it didn't take very long for us to be getting a lot of people begging us to come and cover their event with our video cameras because they liked what we were doing and, and, and things got sent around and that kind of that kind of thing. But a lot of it started with in-person uh, relationships with our reporters going out and talking to people. It was uh, Myself and my partners going to Chamber of Commerce events and getting boots to different places, and you know that's it's it's just like any other business. You know, it's building that that thing. Harder for a Lizzie Bennett Diaries kind of scale, right? Because there's a lot of talented people on YouTube. I mean, it's uh, it, a great great analogy is a, a, one of our salespeople. She's um, she was actively pursuing a Broadway career at one point. She's getting you know she's a great singer. She's getting into some of these you know just off Broadway plays and that sort of thing. 
And she stopped doing it and, you know, moved to Connecticut and everything. I said, why aren't you doing it? Said, one, everybody can sing, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's harder the bigger you scale to be noticed like that. Um, and I think it's just a matter of, again, kind of guiding the analytics. It's networking. It's going to conferences where people will be gathering and, you know, interviewing them and writing about them and, and doing things that get you in front of people. And then, uh, you know, that content then kind of backfills. And I think that's kind of, uh, you know, how to build it. But it's not easy. There's no magic formula. It's just, it's, it's just true leather, really. So we're reading a book called The Information Diet by Clay Johnson where he talks about how the news industry has evolved away from pure facts and more into personalities like Rachel Maddow or Keith Olbermann. Uh, it sounds a little bit like that's the direction you're going where these websites are synonymous with the people behind them. Do you feel that uh, consumers want more personality to their news, and if so, does that dilute the news? That's a good question, and I, and I think it's cable news is a disaster right now because of, of that. And I, I don't think it's because they're marketing personalities per se. I think it's the fact that these personalities are, you know, almost en engineered to be in conflict with the other personalities. So it, it it's kind of raises all shifts, right? It's just let, let's 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 let these partisans yell at each other, and we'll make money off of it. I, I think there's. I think people always are connected to people, um, and you know Walter Cronkite's a great example of a news personality that people trusted and loved, and 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 when he you know, reported the news, he he, he was respected as a, a voice of, of reason or a voice that wasn't um, uh, it wasn't biased towards one side or the other. You know, and you can go back and look at a lot of these you know uh, respected uh, TV journalists to to see that. So I, I don't think it's I think the cable stuff is definitely broken, um, but I think it's it's okay to continue to market the, the personalities because ultimately you need to trust the source. And you know, yes, you can build the New York Times and have that institution become known, you know, for professional journalism. But you know, I think what Christine Stewart has shown in Connecticut is that um, you know you can build a brand around a name, and her stories don't reflect her personality per se. I mean, her. What's coming off in the stories is that she's telling both sides of the story in an accurate way from from the position of someone who's there all day and, and observing already. So, um, so I, I I'm not as concerned with that too much. I think you are right though that it gets distorted and 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 corrupted um, within the cable news cycle for sure, circuit for sure. But um, on this stuff, I don't think so. And I think it's actually good for journalists because they can finally build their own brands rather than having to depend on a network or a publisher to do that. So the students of this class for their final project are going to be building a WordPress website and they are allowed to make that website about whatever they want since these are publishing students a lot of them are choosing to make portfolio websites where they can uh, aggregate all their different portfolio pieces, their design work, their fiction, their nonfiction, etc. Is there any advice that you would give them as they set out on that project to help build their online brand and their personality? Make it all about cats. People love cats on the internet for some reason. It's, like, <laughs> it's hysterical. Like, you know, it's funny. I had one of these moments where, um, with the local online news project, we had, we had been grinding it out for like six or eight months, and I went and looked at the analytics. We were getting decent viewership. It was a local, a local publication, so it was, it was, you know, you're not going to get a lot of views uh, on local stuff. And my dog, I had three videos of my dog on my channel. My dog had 
more views in those three videos than, than like six months of the local news videos combined. So it's <laughs> but I, I think, you know, it's, so, so Ken, the question is really about how, how, to, how to build their brand around the WordPress sites. Is that what you're asking? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, how these are going to be the next generation of editors, writers, and uh, publishers. So right. uh, how do they help? How can you, what advice would you give them to help stand out? I, I think the most important thing, whether you're writing or doing video or whatever, is for you to be a part of that content. Like your personality, who you are, um, your love of the topic, of your passion for the topic. I, I think that's what people pick up on. You know, I, I think what made Ken's videos, Ken, your videos successful with these, on, by the way, to geek, geek people like us, like we watch videos of people taking electronics out of boxes and, it, and it's like, a very lucrative and profitable thing. It doesn't make sense to the rest of the world, but there are, you know, several million of us that will watch this kind of stuff. And you know, he did a really creative way way of doing that because it was it was you can it was your personality that was coming through in that video that people watched it for. You know, like you see these videos of these guys like taking out their their box cutter and opening up this box, and you never see the person. Um, they don't do as well because there isn't personality behind it. So I, I think it's really a matter of you know, using some opinion, you know, if, if, if your content calls for that. Um, if it doesn't, then, you know, showing your passion for the topic in, in reporting on that topic, right? I mean, it's, uh, we, we wrote a story on, um, on the commercial space industry for our tech junkie site, and this is during that NASA expedition. And it was a, you know, down the middle piece of really trying to ascertain whether you know, public space flight, the space shuttle, is the way to go, or private commercial space flight, SpaceX, Elon Musk's company, and the private launch systems, is that the way to go? And I was able, in the piece, to, written piece, uh, to really show my passion by the level of detail that went into it, you know, and I, and I think that's, you know, that's where, however you can do it, getting your passion and your drive for that topic Beyond display, that it's more than just some, you know, some essay. It, it is a from the heart piece about what you're doing, and you do enough of that, you put it in front of enough people, uh, it can go from there. One thing I failed to mention is content marketing, which has become a real pain in the you know what for all of us, um, but it's really important, and it's getting those articles out in front of people uh, who are going to see it and like it. Uh, a great place to do that beyond like the Twitters and the Facebooks and all that kind of stuff is Reddit. Have you all, any of you on Reddit? Yeah, a lot of nods there. Um, there are so many of these subreddits, like for every crazy topic you can imagine. Like I was, I was on there last night and some guy posts like this picture of some wiring job he did and someone's like, oh, you gotta post that in, in, up in this, this Reddit, subreddit called wiring porn or something. You got people wiring up, you know, it's not, not bad porn, it's like people wiring up uh, junction boxes and stuff in a really neat way and they try to one-up each other with their wiring technique. And that's, talking about a niche topic, like people that like to, to you know, electricians are sharing their work on this uh, on this subreddit. So I think finding uh, those those areas where you can build audience that way. I, what I started doing with some of my Connecticut pieces is uh, posting them in the Connecticut subreddit, where there's a lot of Connecticut people, um, and you develop a relationship with those folks. And people that are on Reddit are people like you and us who are very you know apt to share things, and you know that's how you kind of get the ball rolling on stuff. So I, I would you know I would really get the stuff written and then find ways to get it out. Medium. Have you ever heard of Medium? You all using that? Anyone use that before? Um, Medium was started by the guy who started Twitter, 
And his intent there is to create a long-form version of a centralized sharing place. You can't make any money there yet. Um, but you, know, you could, I, I sometimes put some of my older stuff up on there just to kind of get it out, out there and maybe get to a larger audience. Because it does have a larger aggregate audience that's reading other pieces on there and you can kind of get uh, sucked into some of their, their genre categories and, and get your stuff distributed that way. So um, there are some, you know, some really good opportunities. Tumblr is another one. Uh, to get some of your things out in front of people, and um, and you need to kind of work it because like you could post an article and nobody ever sees it. We had this great like uh, blogger who we just couldn't get this concept to, to to register with her. She's writing all these great pieces about being a parent, um, but she's just like you know the 75 million other parent bloggers out there, and she never really promoted her content. So all this great stuff was going never seen because you know she wrote it and never shared it in a way that got audience. So. So I think marketing your content in the right platforms, Medium is a great place to check out. If you haven't seen it, go and check it out. I think that's really good for aspiring writers because um, it is a long-form website. Reddit for sure, Twitter, Facebook, you know, developing your own um, social network, uh, um, you know, keep, uh, connections on Facebook and, and Google Plus and other places. You can do it for sure. Great. Well, thank you so much, Lon. We really appreciate your time this evening. I hope I was helpful. Oh, very much so. And it's nice Great. to uh, return the favor. You know, I've been on your show, you've been on mine. I think we're even now. I think we're about there. We'll have to, I'll have to ask you something else now. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much. Talk soon. Yep. This has been the Pubcast. Find more episodes, read our blog, or send feedback by visiting us on the web at www.thepubcast.org.